0: At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order.
1: Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free
0: biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word peace to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text peace to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app. As I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to
2: drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, Zach Kelberman. Zach, it doesn't seem like that long ago that you and I were on the the podcast talking about all things Broncos, but a lot has happened since last you and I were able to reach our listeners from Vic Fangio's introductory presser to the Kubiak stuff, and we got a lot to get to tonight. It wasn't that long ago that
1: we were assuming Chuck Bogato would be the next head coach of the Broncos, and here we are. We got Vic Fangio, and I love it, but uh, there are some interesting developments happening right now, a lot of uncertainty that we have to get to.
2: And again, so much to get to, as Zach alluded to there. But first, just a couple of quick, short matters of business. You guys follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, if you want to be able to get in on the Mile High Mailbag especially. Also, a shout-out to all of our listeners that pulled the trigger on the 4-for-1 VIP sale we did on the website earlier this week. There were a handful of listeners that joined, and we appreciate you guys. We gave you a shout out on Twitter, but uh, here's one for you on the actual podcast. We really appreciate it. And you know what? Those those uh, type of sales where it's four for one or three for one or whatever it might be, they usually come once, twice, three times a year. And they at the top of the off season. Those of you who capitalized were very wise to jump on now. And we certainly appreciate your support. Also, make sure if you have not done so that you have rated. And left a creative review on on the show, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher. Most of you are listening on iTunes. We got people on YouTube. Love you guys. We got everyone on iHeart, Spotify. But the key on on reviews and rating the show it's especially important if your primary way of listening is iTunes or Stitcher. Great way to help us reach new listeners and grow the show, and do your part to help us balloon this thing up even farther. So uh, we're gonna get to the mailbag. We're gonna get to some of the hot topics. On today's, uh, on the minds of, of Broncos fans everywhere, including the Kubiak split. We're going to talk about what happened with Sean Kugler, what might happen with Chris Strasser. We're going to talk about Mike Munchak, Rich Scangarello. There's a lot to get to, but first, we're going to welcome to the show a very special guest from out in Chicago to give us some insight on Mr. Vic Fangio. All right, so Zach and I both are super stoked to welcome on to the show Zach Pearson. He's a bona fide insider for the Chicago Bears, credentialed journalist covering the Bears for our network, twenty four seven Sports, over at Bear Report. Dot com, So you're going to want to go over and check his stuff out. He was kind enough to come give the MHH insiders some uh, insight into Fangio on our VIP forum at milehighhuddle.com. We certainly appreciate that, but you can find him on Twitter at Zach underscore Pearson. And we welcome you to the show. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Excellent. We're all just, you know, most of our listeners, man, we're just, everyone's chomping at the bit, trying to kind of get a beat on this Fangio fellow, because as everybody knows, this is an old timer that's been coaching in the league for, uh, this is going to be his 33rd year coaching in the NFL, and here he is finally getting his first opportunity to Well, it's not his first opportunity, his first actual job, because I actually have done a lot of research on Fangio since the hire. You know, the Broncos PR department was kind enough to send a booklet with a lot of clippings and things like that. And one thing I learned, Zach, is that... He had an opportunity in 97, he, it came down to two guys for the San Diego Chargers for that head coaching vacancy, came down to him and Kevin Gilbride, he ended up losing that, and it wasn't until really last year with the Bears, they ended up of course hiring Matt Nagy, um, and then now with the Broncos that he really got back into the conversation as a bona fide head coaching candidate, why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, last year was his kind of first real opportunity since that 97 um, interview with the with the Chargers. Um, I, to be honest, I think he was just more content with staying where he was. I mean, he had a good job as a defensive coordinator for the 49ers and, and kind of turned that defense around. They were really good in his time there. Um, as far as the Bears and him under John Fox, you kind of got that sense that um, – that Fangio wanted a head coaching job eventually as the years went on. Um, he was there under Fox for three years. Um, he wasn't going to get it with the Bears right away because I believe, you know, if the Bears would have moved down from Fox right away, it was going to be Adam Gase who came over also from um, Denver. Um, so, yeah, once, you know, Fox left, they gave Fangio the interview last year. And I think, not to be harsh or anything, I'm, I think it was more of a courtesy interview because I really think Ryan Pace had to get an offensive minded head coach. You don't trade up for a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky to to bring in a defensive guy here and take your chance with that. So um I think this is perfect timing for FanJo. I'm I'm actually to be 100 percent honest, nothing against the Broncos. I was kind of shocked it would it was a job like Denver that would that would kind of intrigue him a little bit.
1: What stood out to me about him in his press conference was he's very self-assured and he knows his own limitations. So uh, maybe he felt comfortable as a defensive coordinator like you talked about, and he didn't want to take the leap and and take on a whole team and take on those added responsibilities. Um, The Denver job, I think, was perfect for him because he realized he's inheriting a really good defense with a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller, um, who's just as good, arguably, or better than Khalil Mack. And I, I, you know, I, what John Elway wanted is what Fangio offers. It's that old school approach. It's that, that take no uh, BS, that no nonsense mentality. I think he finally felt he's ready to make that leap. And you would know him better than I would. I just feel like watching his press conference and watching him in that little bit that we've seen of him. Um, he, he was content in Chicago, but if there was one job that would be open that he'd be uh, you know, willing to take, it was Denver.
3: Yeah, and um, you know, when we kind of first got wind that that Fangio was going to be a legit head coaching candidate again this year, um, you know, we kind of on our, on our message board in Bearport, we were kind of listing jobs that were open. Um, obviously Denver was kind of one of them towards the end of the year when you know the rumors started swirling. Um, I thought Green Bay was another one he might have been interested in. Mm. Um, Cleveland even. Um, and then when Jason Garrett, you know, when he was kind of in the hot seat after pretty much playing for overtime against the Texans before Dallas went for that long run. I thought Dallas was up there. I would say, personally, I would. I had I had um, Denver, I want to say it was like third or fourth most interested that I thought Fanji would be in. Um, now I think he's in a great spot with it right now because, like you said, he inherits a really good defense. I mean, you have Von Miller, who's comparable to Khalil Mack. I mean, give me either yeah. or on my team. I won't complain. Exactly. And yeah, then he, on, the, on the other side, you have Chubb, too, and, and yeah. Leonard Floyd – is a pretty young good player that Fangio's worked with. Which Floyd got in a Pro Bowl alternate and who knows he might end up at yep. the Pro Bowl.
2: Uh, so that's one of the things Fangio talked about at the podium on Thursday when he was introduced as the seventeenth head coach of the Broncos was and it kind of, you know, gave Zach and I some fodder for the website to go out and <laughs> you know, he actually said something especially newsworthy and sensational where, you know, he's talking about, yeah, you know, Von Miller's great. Chubb, he's a great weapon too, you know, that's great. And then he goes, and Von Miller, he's a great player whatever, but I think he can play even better than he has played throughout his career, which kind of threw shockwaves. In a weird way, some some fans perceive that as some kind of underhanded diss. Like, you know, here comes this guy from Khalil Mack that's throwing Vaughn under the bus saying, like, he's been mailing it in. What do you mean he could play better? He's Super Bowl 50 MVP. He's been to the—he's a dual pro bowler slash all pro every year he's been in the league except for 2013 when he was suspended and injured. What is he really saying? And I don't think he meant anything by that. I think, to me, it seemed like he was just saying that, look— What you've seen from Vaughn is obviously phenomenal. He's a great player, but I think I can get even more out of him
3: yeah i mean not to get too much into the interviews because i I would like to talk about that a little later um with his style press conferences but i he's kind of a guy that um he's gonna say stuff like that and it's gonna be taken the wrong way at times but he doesn't mean you know how it's taken the wrong way he means just like as you broke it down i mean yeah you could probably get more out of von miller and if that's the case that's really scary because like you said von miller is arguably top Defensive player, top two, three in in the NFL. So if he can get more out of him, I mean, that's just good news for the Broncos, obviously.
1: Honestly, the, the what I took out of that comment by Fangio was kind of an underhanded disadvantage, Joseph, not necessarily Von Miller. Yeah. I think it was uh, yeah, him, right. kind of you know, showing that he can do better than what he is inheriting from the Joseph era. So um, it's also again Fangio being very self-assured and self-confident in knowing what he's capable of, and he feels that he can get more out of Miller than he's dealt with in his career thus to this point. And it, you'd be hard pressed, other than Wade Phillips, to name a better defensive coach. That's had his hands on Von Miller to this point.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think Fangio is just the right guy for that defense. I think there's a lot of playmakers. I think you know Denver had that dominant defense when you guys won the Super Bowl a couple of years back, and then I mean they they haven't been awful since then. Um, but like I think Fangio is in a is in a stage here where he can elevate that defense once again to become that you know Super Bowl caliber, and, and then if you just get the right places on offense, right pieces on offense. I mean, you're pretty good shape moving forward, and that's
2: that's what's weird. You guys is you know you look at the 2017 Broncos, which were just horrible team, went five and 11, and you know had that historic ignominious eight game losing streak that just blew everyone's mind in Broncos country, and yet the defense was one of only two in the entire NFL to finish in the top five against both the run and the pass, but. Kelberman and I, we can t- both attest, it didn't feel that way, right? Like, no. statistically, that's how the numbers, you know, bore out. But, like, it didn't feel like this was a top-five defense, even last year with Talib still on the roster. So I think you're going to see just my research now and listening to him talk. And Fangio appears to me, and Zach, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but he just seems like a guy where once he inherits a defense and takes it on, It's almost like once you see that unit out on the field in in live bullet scenarios, it's almost as if they've grown a new brain.
3: Yeah, um, as you know, when he first took over here as defensive coordinator under John Fox, um, they inherited a really bad defense. Mel Tucker's defense was god awful. I don't know how much of it you guys actually got to see, but when you there was, I believe it was two thousand fourteen under Mark Trussman, they had back to back games where they gave up fifty plus points in prime time. Um, Hmm. One was in prime time to the Packers, and one was against New England. It got embarrassing in Chicago, and that was Tucker's Um, defense. Yeah, that was okay. Mel Tucker's defense, and then you know when when uh, Fox and Fangio got here, in 2015, the defense was a lot better the next season. They weren't like really good, but they kind of made some you know steps moving forward and in, into what it is right now. Yeah, one
2: thing that uh, it comes out in all of the research on Fangio, especially what PR provided, is that his players have this weird. It's not like for example, Broncos fans are familiar with Wade Phillips and this kind of chemistry he had with his players in terms of, you know, kind of coming down to their level, listening to hip hop, to be boys with a keep to leap, for example, and wearing the chain, yeah, gold and, chains, <laughs> you know, all that, which is cool. You know, it's like grandpa trying to connect with the grandkids. You know, whatever, and yeah, that's cool. And it yeah. has its, uh, it has its utility or whatever. Fangio's connection with his players seems different, almost like the way especially dedicated college students, you know, might have that connection with their professor? What was that like covering it from the inside, what you could perceive, Zach, the dynamic between his players and and him as a coach?
3: They loved him, man. Um, I have never heard of a defensive player say anything but good things about Vic Fangio from when Akeem Hicks was brought in here after stints in New in New Orleans and um, New England to rookie Roquan Smith. It's just, they all have this kind of just appreciation and, and you could tell as the season was going on, you know, we, we had to start asking the questions, you know, Vic's going to be in head coach searches. What is that going to you know mean for you? And Everyone that we interviewed and talked to, from Khalil Mack to Adrian Amos, they all said, yeah, I mean, lose Vic, that's a huge part of our defense. I mean, that's a guy that they all looked up to. And, and in in particular, a couple of years back, Kyle Fuller was coming off a year where he, he missed the entire season, 2016. And there was question marks if he was going to come back or not. Even And Fangio called them out. Um, there was a quote at the end of the year. I want to say it was week 14 or 15. And he you know, pretty much said, yeah, we're, we don't know what we're going to do with Kyle right now. We don't know where he's at. And they went from that to last year, Fuller kind of breaking out in 2017. And um, Fuller said, yeah, my relationship with Fangio has grown so much over this year. They're, they're golf buddies now. Um, they hung out in the offseason. It was just incredible to see the impact that Fangio had on a player like Kyle Fuller, who was literally on the verge of being cut. And having a new home to, you know, having a Pro Bowl season in 2018 under Fangio's guidance. Uh, Zach, touching on Chad's point, let me
1: ask you something about Fangio as a coach. Now, watching Vance Joseph as just an NFL fan on the sidelines was frustrating because he wasn't involved um, on the bench area. He wasn't ever talking to the players, firing them up, motivating them. Um, he, he was kind of stoic sometimes. He was, he looked clueless other times. What kind of coach is Fangio? I mean, is he in the booth? Is he on the sidelines? Is he active? Is he in the players' faces? What can you tell Broncos fans about how um, fiery he gets or what he's like? like on Sundays as a coach and how he motivates
3: his players. Yeah. During the game, he's up in the booth. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, as a head coach, he's going to have to be down on the field. That's going to, that's going to change for him um, before the game. He's out there. I've seen him out there with, you know, when players are warming up and he's going around shaking every defensive player's hands. Um, he He's fired up inside, but you're not going to see him, you know, fist pump as hard as he can or start yelling with emotion, uh, but that's okay. I don't think you have to do that to be fired up. Right. Um, right. If I mean there's been a couple times where we've asked him after games, you know, what what gives you some satisfaction after a big win? And he's like, Yeah, you know, I'll I want to leave the locker room and go have a nice dinner, or you know, I want to try and do a cartwheel as he's joking around and stuff like that. (laughs) He gets excited. He's just not a guy. He's gonna get right back to work. I mean, it's gonna be Sunday night, they're gonna the Broncos coming off a win. Yeah, he'll be excited, but Monday, even late Sunday night, it's gonna be right back to work. I think he doesn't take any wins for granted or anything because you know, it's the NFL. You he could be a great head coach year one and then year two it could be a tumble you just never know with you know how the NFL is now but you're not going to see him all fired up and, and fist pumping and everything like that I think you're going to see a, just a confident guy who's you know he's already looking on to the next play and I, I think it's going to be kind of fun seeing him on the sidelines to be honest as head coach.
1: so it's that Bill Belichick attitude on a Cincinnati yeah
3: yeah, yeah, pretty much. It, it, not, as, uh, not as, not as, it's not as well known as Belichick. Maybe it will be though. That be right? Yeah. Now coaching
2: pressers. Yeah, he looked a little bit nervous at the podium at first when he actually read the kind of formalized statement that he had prepared about but, his orange tie. Yeah, and okay, all that. Yeah. You know, you could sense he was a little bit out of his element. Not necessarily because he was at the podium, but because he's in a new environment, different faced reporters, all this. But then once he opened it up to questions. He really seemed to just lighten up, and not in terms of being a funny guy or anything, but just you could feel kind of the pressure go out of it, and he was just himself. Very natural, very straightforward. A couple times, a couple reporters you know, tried to, as he said, use his verbiage, sideways him in terms of getting a question <laughs> in on Kubiak, hoping that he would dish something that was a little too early to say, and he called him out on it. He's like, no, no, I think you're trying to uh, sideways me here. Get me, hit me with a low blow. And uh, that's definitely not something. That's a huge change from Vance Joseph because Vance Joseph, in such a scenario, I could go back and find the question, but uh, to give all of our listeners a little bit more context and even Uzak. But basically, what happened is he was he was asked first on you know what his plan is with Gary Kubiak, and he said you know look, pump the brakes on that. No assistant coaching positions have been determined yet, and he ended it with if Gary's interested, I'm interested because you know I got a lot of respect for him. Next question, and then a couple questions later, a guy comes in and asks if Gary Kubiak is your coordinator, like, you know, something ass- that, a question that assumed Kubiak was. And Fangio did not appreciate that. He let him know right up front, and then in a very general way, kind of talked about the, you know, crux of the topic that was in the question. But Vance Joseph would have totally taken that and just answered the question probably. You know, and that's that's a big change. And the players, I think, both of you guys, I want to hear what both of you think of this, that were in the room, guys like Vaughn Miller, Derek Wolf. That were listening to this, Emmanuel Sanders, I think they could sense that in a very real way, in a very tangible way, there's a new sheriff in town and he doesn't suffer fools.
3: Yeah, Vic is a straight shooter, man. Like you said, he's going to give it to you. If you're going to try sidewaysing him, he's going to let you know about it. Um, His interviews, so we got him on Thursdays in Chicago. We got him after Nagy, and then he was the first of the coordinators to go. He was always my personal favorite to interview just because how serious he could be. And then the next question, you know, he could joke around. He was asked before the Bears playoff game um, that Thursday you know, are you interviewing for any jobs? Um, and he's, he's like, no. And then, you know, another question would be fired off. Like, what do any jobs interest you? And he'd say, yeah, I'd like to be, you know, the, the bench coach for the Chicago Cubs. I got to talk to Joe Madden about it. So <laughs> he can really flip it. And it's, it's a smooth transition. It's he gives you great answers. He'll break down every any player you ask him from opposing offense. He could break it down, tell you his strengths, his weaknesses, right. what he liked about him, scouting report. It was it was really refreshing.
1: I think uh, Vaughn said it best about what you know, seeing that press conference in person and, and seeing what Fangio brings to the table. Vaughn said it best that uh, he'll make the Broncos ten times better, and just his, his assured confidence in what he wants to do and what he brings to the table. He is the antithesis of Vance Joseph in every single way, and he has proven results. And you put his genius defensive mind back on this Broncos team, you get back to those Wade Phillips levels, as Zach talked about that, back to those dominant levels, mm. and that should excite Vaughn Miller. So um, I, I was very impressed overall. With uh, Fans U.S. press conference.
2: Yeah. Another thing, too, is, you know, what you were talking about, Zach, in terms of how he can just, you know, from an X's and O's or personnel or a scouting perspective, just deep dive in a way that really brings a whole new kind of perspective for media and fans alike that are paying attention. And one of the ways he did that in his press conference in Denver was. He was asked about his offensive philosophies, what they are, being that he's a defensive guy. And, you know, I think the word balance was thrown at him. And he basically said, to paraphrase him, that most people, when they hear the word balance, they think run pass ratio how often are you running how often are you passing he said but to me there are multiple levels of analysis when you talk about balance when the, in in the passing game do you throw short do you throw intermediate do you you know how often do you throw deep in the running game is it inside zone outside zone are you doing deceptives he went through this whole litany that just made it you know all of a sudden there were depths and levels of that answer that a guy like Vance Joseph, even if he was on that same level, he there's no way he would have been able to communicate that at the podium that way, which to me, if I'm a player sitting in the uh, you know, in the auditorium there listening to this new head coach speak, man, I'm just more and more I'm starting to get amped and excited that, you know what, this is a guy who, you know, we can talk about the straight shooterisms and all that stuff, but like he's also a very passionate teacher. And it seems to be that from he can take very complex ideas and present them in a teacher's way in a simple a simple way where people can grasp them.
3: Yeah, and you kind of said the players are going to rally around that, too. The players love, you know, in Chicago, they love Vic and, and how, you know, he kind of built that connection with them. So I can only imagine, like you said, like a guy like Von Miller, he's listening to that. It's probably really refreshing to him. I know personally, um, for me, in the media, we had John Fox here for three years, and those press conferences were so bland and just oh, yeah. so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're I mean, you get nothing from Fox. Yeah, yeah, and with us, we got Matt Nagy now, and it's just like one, one hundred percent different. It's like we enjoy listening to what Matt Nagy's going to say. We enjoy listening to what Vic Fangio's going to say. Um, Vic has always been the same as he is here under Fox or under Nagy. Nothing's really changed too much press conference wise. But for you know, for Denver fans, I would probably look at over you know the. Over time, now, as we get ready for the next season, how much this team rallies around this hiring and, and all the positive things you're going to hear because, I mean, it's, it's just the beginning and I think it's only going to get better and better for you guys. Zach, I
1: could safely say everyone in Broncos country loves the Fangio hire from players to coaches to media. It it was absolutely the right choice by John Elway. It was a home run hire and it should pay immediate and long term dividends. But I also realize that no coach is perfect and every coach has its flaws. I I just want to know, in your opinion, on Sundays, on game days, what are Fangio's biggest inconsistencies or biggest flaws or uh, biggest negatives that you've seen as a reporter covering him over the years or over his time in Chicago?
3: Yeah, I'd say um, the biggest one. I would go back to this year. They acquired Khalil Mack. Um, he's he's there to rush the passer. There were times on key downs where he'd drop Khalil Mack back in coverage on a running back or sometimes uh, even a slot Don't say receiver. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to give you a warning because that's you're probably going to see it, and it, it was very frustrating. Um, you know, when you need a third down pass rusher and you have one of the best in the NFL. Why is he in coverage? And then right. they, they you know they convert a third down. That's the biggest one. Um he's not gonna blitz a lot, to be honest. I don't know if Denver brought expects that up. Denver expects him to blitz a lot. Um there's gonna be times where you know going back against New England, he gave Tom Brady all day in the war, you know, all day in the game to throw. And you give a guy like Tom Brady all day to throw and he's gonna pick you apart. Right. Whether as, you know the smart thing with again, the numbers would say probably should blitz tom brady in some key situations
2: right and it's funny you bring that up because in the the booklet that pr sent out there's a little clip in which he's talking to sam uh Acho, who'd come over about the same time he did from arizona and when they first meet face to face he says oh yeah you're from arizona huh and he goes yeah and he goes, y'all didn't blitz a lot, or he goes, y'all blitzed a lot, right? And Sam's like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's why he probably gave up so many big plays, et cetera, et cetera. And it shows that he does not believe in the philosophy, which is anti-Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips is a huge, he is a big believer in blitzers and blitzing. He's always up there amongst the, in terms of his defenses, in terms of frequency at the top of the league, but Fangio's... In 2017, at least, I don't have the numbers for 2018. He was like one of the bottom two or three defenses in terms of blitz frequency. But the flip side to that is, you know, he's been in 32 seasons in the NFL. The average number of sacks Fangio's defenses have produced per season is just under 40. It's 39.8. So what that means is he's finding ways to still create pressure, still create chaos, because they led the league in turnovers as well with 35 this year. Your Bears did. He's still finding ways to do that with three- and four-man rushes, which to me signifies a guy who is a lot more savvy from an X's and O's perspective. You know, sometimes we're going to see things that are questionable, like Vance Joseph dropping Von Miller into coverage, Fangio dropping Khalil Mack into coverage, but more often than not, the proof comes out in the pudding.
3: Yeah, that's a great point because Fangio's – one of Fangio's strengths is he can scheme ways to get pressure on the quarterback. Granted, the Bears have a pretty damn good defensive line uh, led by Akeem Hicks, so he really didn't need a blitz a lot because he could generate that pressure with Hicks playing at a Pro Bowl level. A guy like Eddie Goldman and even a rookie fifth-round pick, Lyle Nichols, eventually became a starter – and it was a big strength on that defensive line. Um, I think you're going to see Fangio kind of do the same in Denver. He's got playmakers to work with. Um, you know, I don't know how how good the defense, the secondary is in Denver compared to Chicago's. Um, I'd say Chicago had probably one of the better secondaries in the NFL, led by safety Eddie Jackson. But mm-hmm. the Bears had to go have to go up. Against Aaron Rodgers twice a year, um, you guys have some good quarterbacks in your division now. Uh, Philip Rivers has been there for a long time, and and Patrick Mahomes is there, so it's going to be a challenge for for Fangio to kind of not completely shut down those quarterbacks, but to contain them um, without blitzing and generating that pressure up front. You know, through that defensive line, that front seven, I, that'd be something I'd be interested in watching as as his season next year goes on.
1: I think, Zach, you nailed it. When you have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, you can get pressure without blitzing. You don't have to send eight guys when you have two of the better pass rushers in the NFL. And the Broncos do have talent on their D-line and Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris and uh, Adam Gatis. So I-, I I like his... Um, upside in the scheme, even without blitzing, the Broncos never benefited from their coaching on defense last season or in 2017. It was their biggest drawback. You know, it all comes down to coaching in the NFL and Vance just came up short and his um, defensive coordinator, Joe Woods came up short. It was scheme mismatches. It was in game um, gaffs, this and that. So I'm hopeful that Fangio will know when to use certain coverages, when to blitz, when to not. But I'm also inter- interested to know is how would you say he is in player development? And everything I've read suggests that he's amazing. Um, but one of the bigger drawbacks of the Joseph era was not playing the younger players and not developing talent at key areas. I just want to know that Fangio I would bring that quality to the table.
3: 100% he will. That's one of his biggest strengths, to be honest. Um, that's what I'm worried the Bears losing in Fangio is player development because he. So he took a guy like Akeem Hicks, who was on New England, on New Orleans, and you really didn't hear from him much. And now, I mean, he's arguably one of the most underrated defensive players in my eyes. I don't think he gets no enough doubt. respect. And yep. the guy puts together is put together two monster seasons. Um, you look at a, a guy like Kyle Fuller that I mentioned earlier. He's really upped his game. Um, I don't. I don't really consider Eddie Jackson in that category because I think Eddie Jackson was. Really damn good coming out of Alabama. If he didn't have the knee injury, he probably is a first-round pick. So the Bears kind of sure. lucked into that one. Um, he's gotten the most out of a guy like Prince of Mucamora, who just his career almost appeared dead when he was in Jacksonville that one season. Yeah. Um, developing Leonard Floyd into what he is now. Uh, getting you know stuff out of uh, Eddie Goldman, um, Jonathan Buller, Roy Robertson Harris, the rookie Blom Nichols. That was one of his strengths was was the development. You saw a lot of it on the on the front seven, the defensive line. Um, you guys are familiar. Danny Trevathan's a pretty damn good inside linebacker. Oh yes. This year, this year was probably the best I've seen him play since that Super Bowl year that you guys had mm-hmm. a few years back. And and you could definitely credit that to Fangio and getting the most out of him. You know, over these since he's come to Chicago. You hear that to Marcus Walker? <laughs> Celebrate! <laughs> yeah. I think I think you guys should be really excited with with how he can develop players, um, not only in the defense, but if if he can find a way to do that um, offensively, I think Denver will be in, in pretty good, in better shape than I think the the rest of the league kind of perceives them right now. I still, from an outsider's perspective, I still think you guys need a young quarterback that maybe you can groom in and give a couple years to you know get going.
2: Well, uh, we're running long here, so we sure appreciate the time you've given us here and on the forums. So let me throw one last question to you, yeah. yep. and uh, we'll we'll cut you loose. What do you – now, obviously, you know, John Elway, he's got a three years left on his contract. Fangio just signed a multi-year deal. This thing might not be a uh, immediately turn able to turn around for the very self-same reason you just brought up in terms of lack of talent at the quarterback position. But that being said, all things being considered – Let's just assume, you know, the, the roster looks relatively similar in 2019 to 2018, uh, with maybe the exception of like a mid-round developmental guy now being on, on the roster for to groom behind Keenum. That type of understanding, what do you expect to see from Fangio's Broncos in 2019? What can fans, you know, whether it's not necessarily record prediction, but what do you expect to see in terms of success, failure in Denver with Fangio?
3: Yeah, I think your defense is going to take you know, be elevated to a whole nother level. Um, I I know the, the NFL is all around offense now. Everything is about the offense. You have to have that dynamic quarterback to, you know, put up the points. But with Fangio, he's still a guy that truly believes in defense. He's a guy that, you know, you could talk to him about, oh, hey, did you see that Chiefs-Rams game where they put up, you know, a million points? And he's going to say, well, yeah, did you see that defensive battle on Sunday? Um, I think your defense is going to get, it's going to be elevated. I think he'll return to be one of the best in the league next year. I, I'll say, I don't know where they finished this year, but um, yeah, top 10 certainly not out of the possibility. The offensive side, that's tough for me because I, have not, I haven't seen Fangio work anything on offense right. um, side of the football. But the thing I think from an outsider's perspective with, with Denver, you guys are in a pretty tough division, as are the Bears. Um, you know, you guys have – Probably the, the MVP this year is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Chargers are always really good. I wouldn't be shocked if Fangio struggled that first year, but I would not panic from an outsider's perspective. I would just kind of just you know, first year head coaches struggling is not nothing new. Um, I guess you know nowadays, you know you look at this year's NFL with the Colts and the Bears. They you know they both went worse to first with new head coaches, so it, it's generally possible. Um, i would say i wouldn't if things go downhill i wouldn't panic because i don't think fangio's gonna panic right away i think he's just more of a calm cool collect guy that's gonna he, he, he he's, he's the only guy that could probably right the ship if things you know you guys do get off to an 0 and three oh and four or four starter one and four start something bad so yeah that's kind of just my take on it i i'm, I'm very the one thing though i'm very curious to see how how he coaches an offense that's one thing i'm gonna be watching for next year
2: well, right on, man. We sure appreciate you. Find Zach on Twitter, once again, at Zach underscore Pearson. He is the publisher of Bear Report on the 24-7 Sports Digital Network. Go check out his work. Phenomenal stuff that he's doing there in Chicago. And also his podcast. Uh, the name of your podcast, Zach, also on the Overtime Network is? Uh, Bear Report Podcast. So check that out if you want to get, uh, you know, not necessarily behind enemy lines, because let's face it, the Bears aren't exactly a a divisional rival or anything but if you want to see what's what's going on over there check out his podcast and we'll be doing stuff back and forth uh as this season and this year goes along so zach once again thanks for joining us man yeah thanks thanks for
3: having me um i'll have to keep in touch because um i think the bears are in denver next year so i'm planning on taking that trip whenever that is i'll have to let you guys know all right buddy thanks again take it easy guys
0: this is the overtime podcast network
2: so that was a great conversation. We definitely appreciate Zach joining the show. You guys make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's a, he's a great follow. But one thing he said toward the end there, Zach, that really kind of made me you know perk my ears up a little bit was the, when I asked him about what his outlook is for Fangio's Broncos in the near future, he brought up the question marks associated with Vic Fangio, his offensive philosophy. And as we kind of touched on during our conversation with Zach – you know, he talked uh, Vic, his introductory presser, uh, not in detail about his philosophy other than balance and how, you know, different levels of analysis on what balance really means. And that was great. And it got me excited, but it didn't really get in terms of X's and O's, what type of system, what type of scheme that Vic Fangio is going to s- search for, except for the fact that he split with Kubiak. Which tells us he doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't want to go to the old school West Coast offense. He's not opposed to that being the kind of foundational philosophy of the offense, but he wants that forward thinking, innovative philosophy for his Denver Broncos. And one thing that actually got me pretty excited, Zach, is, you know, we've seen the the proliferation of the college type of schemes in the NFL, especially the last three, four years. And one thing about Fangio, too, that I think is an underrated component about where his philosophy might might lie offensively is the time he spent with Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. And I mentioned that that booklet that Broncos PR sent out to us. And one of the things that came up in it, and I'm sure you'll get some time to uh, to read that as well, Zach, but mm-hmm. one of the things that came up in that was him being, Vic, being exposed to the call. Co-
3: Earn your online healthcare degree from your couch, at the kitchen table, or even from that weirdly combined guest room home office. We're talking about your online Mercy Plus degree from Mercy College of Health Sciences. With four convenient start times per year, the ability to transfer up to 90 credits, at a cost of just $2,500 per quarter, and healthcare majors such as nursing, public health, and healthcare administration, Mercy Plus is the fast, flexible, and affordable way to transform into a healthcare hero. Apply online today at plus.mchs.edu.
2: college offenses of the time which those the 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 type of schemes that are running in the NFL now that's what Vic was going up against in college at Stanford he took them from basically like a bottom 100 defensive ranking in Stanford to a top 10 by the time he left to join Jim in San Francisco with the Niners so what do you expect to see offensively from Vic Fangio once the dust settles on him establishing his coaching staff and moving forward Uh, Well, I think
1: the comments that you alluded to, those were kind of placeholder comments because he just got there. Uh, He didn't know anything. I mean, he didn't know his coaches are going to be Kubiak and this and that. It all depends, obviously, on what direction they go. And I, for one, am so glad that they scrapped at the last minute the Kubiak experiment at OC. I'm really impressed by John Elway going in a completely different direction. It seems like finally he's willing to listen to outside advice and go toward the younger Uh, generation in the NFL and go toward the younger scheme in the NFL, the pass-happy scheme, the the creative schemes. It looks like the Broncos are going in that direction. Fangio came in and immediately changed the Broncos' culture, in my opinion, to split up Gary Kubiak and John Elway a day on the job, that long-term plan, I mean, uh, it takes some, uh, some some cashews, as I like to say. But yep. however, Fangio is, as a head coach, he will hire the right guy to be the OC, but it looks like, encouragingly, it will be a younger mind, like Skangarella or anyone else, among that mm-hmm. younger coaching tree, Kyle Shanahan, the Sean McVay tree. Um, I couldn't be more impressed, though, with Elway and Fangio so far,
2: their direction with their OC. Yeah, it's good to see Elway kind of putting those those old dogs to sleep so to speak like Kubiak could have been something I think as an offensive coordinator for the Broncos uh in, in under Fangio but he would have had to have gotten on board with their new found desire to jump on board what's happening with, and it can be done. You can have one foot in the old ways and one foot in the new, like you're seeing Sean McVay do to great success. Andy Reid is another phenomenal example of a traditionally West coast guy who branched off the Bill Walsh uh, West coast tree from years ago, not directly, but indirectly through Mike Holmgren and It's just there's a way to do it, but Kubiak was not giving him any ground, and then, of course, Kubiak sticking to his guns on wanting to bring in Rico Dennison and uh, Periani, Brian Periani, to coach tight ends, which obviously was not good news to Fangio, but especially to Elway, who was going to fire him. He wanted Gary Kubiak to fire both those guys at the end of the 2016 season, which in my opinion, now this isn't anything I've been told on insider stuff. My opinion is Kubiak was strongly considering taking a break, stepping down because of his health. And then when Elway started putting pressure on him about letting some of his his homeboys go, like that have been with him for years and decades, and we all know Gary Kubiak is renowned through the NFL for his loyalty, Elway starts putting pressure on him, hey, you're going to have to, Rico's got to go, Periani's got to go. That, to me, I think was his, the final, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, on him making his decision to say, you know what, the hell with it all, I'm going to retire, I'm going to step down. You know, public talking points, of course, was all about his health, right, but I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And then here he is two short years later saying, we want to bring him back. And Elway's just like, no. Maybe if you had Fangio saying, yeah, I'm okay with that, maybe Elway gets behind it. But I'm just glad to see that the Broncos are moving on to newer, better things. And Kubiak, you know, look, he had a great influence and impact on this organization as a coach, you know, between as a player. I mean, he's appeared in seven of the – the eight Super Bowls uh, he's had his hands on in some way, shape, or form, either as a player, assistant coach, or head coach. So your hat's off to him. He's he's There's no clear picture yet, Zach, whether or not he's going to split with the Broncos as far as his front office role because he still is under contract.
1: It really does sound like though that uh, a, a, it's a full-scale divorce, meaning he's going to be no longer with the organization in any capacity. I think he's going to land an offensive coordinator job around the end. There's still some positions open. I mean, not everything's been filled yet. Um, if not, maybe a consulting job or an assistant job. I don't think he's long for the Broncos. And it seems like within that organization, his you know his reach out. out let me say that again. Within the Broncos organization, it seems like it's almost he's slapping Elway across the face with the point you made. He wants to bring back the assistance that Elway wanted to fire and get rid of. He okay. knew Elway's approach with the new school, and he wanted to bring that old school back. So, um, you know, they say that it was amicable, the split between both of them. We don't know that for sure. It just does seem like that's going to be a, a complete divorce to break it off completely. And the Broncos are going in a complete different direction. And I just think it was the absolute right decision. I was not happy with Kubiak as the O.C.
2: Yeah, yep. And those of you who follow the writing uh, that we do on the website, you guys should know by now exactly how both Zach and I feel about this. It's it's for the best. Is basically what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, and it's encouraging signs in terms of the overall implications that you know Fangio's coming in, and he's not just kowtowing to whatever the established legends of denver are wanting him to do he's got his own vision and to hell with you you brought you hired me to do this and here's what i'm going to do and if if gary's interested i'm interested i'm at the table i'm talking to gary and you know what our, our philosophies and our vision split we just we can't come to an accord and so we got to go to separate ways and it's for the best now a week ago, we were sitting here talking about how the Broncos would be crazy to let Sean Kugler go, how the Broncos would be crazy to let Chris Strausser go, and now it appears that they might lose both, because Sean Kugler, though at first it, it looked like he was going to end up at Tampa, he mm-hmm. ended up following Vance Joseph to Arizona, where he has been hired as an offensive line coach, and now Chris Strausser, there are teams, I, I think it's the Browns that are requesting an interview with Chris Strausser, but Zach... That's not the worst thing in the world because if indeed the Broncos end up hiring Mike Munchak to coach the offensive line, neither one of those guys necessarily are going to be needed in Denver.
1: Right, and it says to me if the Broncos are letting them both get away, that they feel pretty confident about landing Mike Munchak. And I think uh, Mike Kliss reported today that they're expected to hire Mike Munchak, actually, so uh, maybe that'll get done the next day or so. Uh, they did a phenomenal job, though, I feel like. It, it, a lot of that gets overlooked. The, the fan base has a perception about the O-line, but parts of that O-line played well this year despite the injuries. The Garrett Bowles improved in the second half of the season. Um, the interior OL held up you with know, Billy Turner and Elijah Wilkins starting uh, guards in yep. uh, Conor McGovern center they did a good job but if you bring in Mike Munchak yeah it's two for one there he's the best OL coach in the business he is not needed and like I said it says to me that they feel pretty good about landing him
2: and what a coup for John Elway by the way Uh, to unbelievable to get both of his one and two head coaching options I mean the dream would have been not only getting Munchak at OL but Pagano at D coordinator and of course our boy over there uh, Zach Taylor to to coordinate the offense that would have been the dream but that's not realistic because Pagano has already signed as defensive coordinator replacing Fangio yeah. in Chicago and Taylor is expected to to get the Bengals job once the Rams are done with the playoffs so
1: that was the wet dream
2: that was the wet dream and <laughs> Munchak though I mean still that is a a phenomenal coup he'll probably be you know given some kind of special title like assistant head coach as well or something like that but the the dividends that that can that can pay for the Broncos for Garrett Bowles, and every young player and even the established vets like if the Broncos end up re-signing Matt Paradis I believe Mike Munchak can get him over the hump in terms of going from the underrated guy that everyone else in the NFL knows as a pro bowl caliber player to an actual pro bowl cal, uh, pro bowl player so the the type of collateral impact Mike Munchak can have on the Broncos offense not as a coordinator but as a position coach can be phenomenal
1: I was coming around to Munchak as a head coach I really was I wanted Mm, Fangio but I was coming around to Munchak I was okay with that. But to get him as an OL coach, along with Fangio, I think it's one of the best NFL hires, honestly, uh, without hyperbole in recent NFL history. It really is. I mean, to get the best in the business, a guy who has family in Denver, it's a perfect match. And he can immediately turn what's been a Broncos weakness for so many seasons into perhaps their biggest strength now. You talk about Matt Paradis, Ronald Leary. I mean, that's a guy who was on the verge of being a pro bowler, and he's been uh, dealt with some injuries. But that's another guy there. Connor Mcgovern has been playing well. Uh, Garrett Bowles, he can take that next step. It would be one of the, by far the best hire in Elway's tenure, but one of the best in NFL history. And like you said, coup, absolute coup.
2: Yep. And Elway, of course, benefited a little bit from the football gods putting Munchak's daughter and in grandkids in Denver to. Help kind of incentivize the old uh, Hall of Fame or, player. Or blackmail. how you want to look there at it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, let's also move on to some other topics in, as it regards Fangio's assistant staff taking shape. The Broncos had their eyes set on Rich Scangarello, the quarterback's coach in San Francisco, who has done great things, of course, with Jimmy Garoppolo. C.J. Beathard, you know, probably playing, out-kicking his coverage a little bit. And then, of course, the great work that Rich did with Nick Mullins. But San Francisco, Mr. Kyle Shanahan, not Mm. playing nice. He's not playing ball. Even though this, as offensive coordinator, would have been a promotion and a step up the chain for Scangarello, they blocked the Broncos' request to interview him, which they were hoping to on Monday. And now it's kind of in a limbo, but... I think on an administrative level, because John Elway is homeboys with John Lynch, also (laughs) notwithstanding their Broncos ties and then notwithstanding their, you know, the the what's GM camaraderie. Yeah, the GM camaraderie. That's a good phrase for it. And then also the Stanford connection. So Mm. um, they don't completely write off Scangarello as an option, but I'll tell you what, of all the other guys out there that we'll talk about here in just a minute, other options, Scangarello to me makes the most sense at this point with what's left on the market. I could really see why the Broncos might be in love with him as an option to coach the offense under Vic Fangio. First
1: of all, can I just point out that I find it ironic that they could have just hired Kyle Shanahan in the first place. And now they're looking to poach assistance from his staff and getting denied. That's quite the fall from grace for John Elway. Second of all, I hate that rule that, that limits coaches from taking a promotion. That shouldn't be, I hate that about the NFL. Third of all, I love the direction the Broncos are looking. This is, like you said, a perfect um, blend with this coaching staff. It's kind of older. It's kind of a little old school, and you bring in a new school element who's learned under Kyle Shanahan and done amazing work with Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins. I mean, you're talking about quarterback development, something the Broncos have long lacked. I I like where they're looking. I would hope that Kyle and John would allow the Broncos to at least interview Scangarello, um, but maybe some negotiations will be worked out for that. But they have some options out there, but I do like the direction that they are looking.
2: Yeah, he's only 46, Scangarello. And honestly, the majority, if you look at his coaching resume, the majority of it's from the college ranks. Although he has kind of gone back and forth from college to the NFL dating back to about 09, he's worked as an offensive assistant with the Raiders. He's also worked with the Falcons. He's also worked now, of course, with the Niners. So between that and his college stops, you know, he's pretty well versed in that offensive new school philosophy that's predominating, predominating the NFL with also one foot in the West Coast scheme, which is what Kyle Shanahan deploys there. So let's take a look before we jump to the mailbag. Last topic here we'll dive into is, Zach, what are some of the options uh, we can go through here for our listeners in terms of if the Niners completely block both him, Scangarello is an option, also Mike McDaniel, who is the de facto offensive coordinator there. He's technically the run game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. If the Broncos wanted him, you would assume as well, he would be blocked. So if we take both those guys off the board, who are some names out there? Fans can start looking at as possible options to work under Fangio as offensive coordinator.
1: Uh, To jump out, right away to me and one is Chiefs quarterbacks coach Mike Kafka who is obviously doing an amazing job with Patrick Mahomes and the second is Todd Munkin the former OC of the Bucks, who actually did a really really good job there in Tampa with Jameis Winston that was overlooked because of how bad the Bucks were uh, but he's one of the more creative dynamic play callers in the NFL would be a great get for the Broncos at this stage a couple others to keep in mind though uh, you have Press Taylor out there the brother of Zach Taylor who's going to be the Bengals next head coach um, you have some you know Retread names out there, maybe Mike McCarthy, that's one. Dave Ragone, the Bears quarterback's coach, obviously the Vic Fangio connection, young up-and-coming guy. I work with Chubisky there. So um, you have younger names. You have a couple of retreads. There are options out there, but I like Todd Munkin. Uh, that's probably my, my top
2: candidate right now. Hmm. I'd have to do a little more research before I could get fully in on Munkin because anytime I really watched the books, I, I mean, I liked what the veteran, the old-timer, freaking what's his name off the top of my head i'm losing it right now fitzpatrick fitz yeah fitz Magic, dude i liked what he was able to do but anytime i saw winston in there he's just throwing picks left and right and costing the team and i know that doesn't devolve necessarily on the offensive coordinator but i would just have to go back and do a little research and check it out but i like the idea of press taylor uh, Kafka, your boy, you love Kafka <laughs> yeah. over there in KC. What's well, not name. to love, you know? Well, yeah, absolutely. Look at freaking Mahomes just lighting up the NFL on unprecedented levels in his second year. Another guy is Joe Lombardi, the quarterback's coach in New Orleans, who is also mm. Good name. the grandson of <laughs> Mr. Vince Lombardi. He, who is the the godfather of the NFL, in essence, in which the trophy is named. So you'd have Might that. have heard of him. That juju, that connection, that uh, magic as well, which you know, hasn't necessarily served uh, Joe Lombardi's teams all that well everywhere he's been, but it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah.
1: I mean, anywhere they want to look, they have to go and turn over every rock. And they're doing that. And to part ways with Gary Kubiak was a major admission and a major, major step in the right direction. They got to go newer now. And there are some names out there to keep in mind. They have some uh, interviews taking place, I believe, in the next couple of days. So hopefully we hear uh, more out of Dove Valley about that.
2: Yeah. So... We'll see how that shakes out, but let's, uh, because we're running a little bit long here, let's blaze through some of the questions we received in this week's Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every episode, we are here to offer the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, and I think the first one here that we'll tackle, from our friend Zach on Twitter, at Baxter underscore 14. Great name. If but it's with an H. What can you do? Never mind. i take it back. If Arizona takes Kyler Murray at number one, I don't think they will, he puts in parentheses, Mm -hmm. but would you send the 10th overall pick to Arizona to get Josh Rosen? Now, before you answer that, now this is a question that we've been getting a lot more of since Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the head coach in Arizona because of his connection or ties to and love for, appreciation for Kyler Murray. So... I don't see it happening being – it would be an unprecedented move that the the team takes a quarterback in the top ten two years in a row and trades one uh, one year removed from doing so. But if we go down that trail – what would be your question here, or your answer, excuse me, for Zach's question? Would you see the Broncos being in on that, being that they passed on Josh Rosen at right. five last year? That was exactly
1: my point. They they could have drafted him last year or moved down and drafted him, and they didn't. So I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to trade Josh Rosen the Cardinals, and I don't think the Broncos would make that move. I think they're either going to wait uh, until 2020, or they're going to draft you know, Drew Locke this year, or someone like that. So
2: I don't see Josh Rosen coming to the Broncos. No. I think actually it's more realistic that Kyler Murray ends up in Denver than Josh Rosen because I don't see him as any kind of bona fide number one. I mean, all the talk about Baker Mayfield's size limitations that – really made him a dark horse. I mean, when the pre-draft process really started, when the college football season ended last year, Baker Mayfield was viewed by most draft Knicks as a mid-first-round mid round mid mid-first pick at best, more like an early day two selection, but basically based off of his measurables, right? Based off of that. But the teams just fell in love with him through the pre-draft process between their team meetings, the senior bowl, the combine, it all culminated in the the Browns falling in love with him and taking him number one I'm not sure that's going to happen with Kyler Murray in the same sense because all not only his size I mean he's well below six feet tall but also the fact that teams are still going to be a little trigger shy gun shy whatever the phrase is because of his dual sports where does his passion and, and priority really falls at baseball where he's a, I think it's Oakland A's first round pick or is it football because you would assume if he declares for the draft and all that that it's going to be football as his priority but at any point you know he could say sayonara when the going gets tough and go fall back on baseball and that's going to be something in the backs of NFL GM minds and especially a guy like Elway who was in a similar place he could have gone and played for the Yankees but he right. chose instead football and the rest is history.
1: I would choose baseball. I mean, there's guaranteed contracts there. It wouldn't be a choice for me. And I honestly think that's the direction Murray's going to go. And it, what's funny is, like, back in the day, the knock on smaller quarterbacks was that none of them would succeed. And now, since Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Baker Mayfield, uh, the the logic is that they all can su- succeed now. No, I think Murray's better trait is baseball. I think he will play baseball. But... You know, he will be an option if he's in the draft. The Broncos are going to explore every quarterback this offseason. If Kubiak was around, I feel like that's more of a Kubiak guy. Um, I think Elway will go more of a taller guy like Drew Locke. So that's how I feel it'll shake out with Kyler Murray.
2: Here's one from Dylan Von Arx. It's also a draft-oriented question. If we don't take a quarterback at pick 10, which player would you take at that point, Zach? Uh, it's so you know it's so
1: early. It's only, what, January 13th? It's just it's a say six. position. All right, positional you know, cornerback, secondary, uh, defensive line, offensive line, the trenches, inside linebacker. There's many positions they can fill. Uh, quarterback, obviously, but they're good at running back. They're good at receiver. They're relatively good at tight end. But O-line, D-line, inside linebacker, and secondary, especially, I think that's going to be the pick if they don't go with QB in round one.
2: Here's a great question from Cole Mason on Twitter. What players are you guys most excited to see Fangio work with slash develop on defense? Honestly, I'm excited to see him work with the entire defense, but specifically some of the young guys like Chubb, Yadam, Jewel, and Walker, which I think, Zach, all four of the names he throws out there are no-brainers. I'm excited to see all those guys under Fangio begin to flourish even farther. But I'm looking at the front seven guys in particular, like Walker he mentions, but says I expect to take a quantum leap. And then also Derek Wolfe, because if you go back in time to when Fangio joined the San Francisco 49ers along with Jim Harbaugh, Justin Smith, you know, he was a really good player. He he bounced around somewhat from his original NFL uh, destination, and he was viewed as, as a really solid, strong player, but he became a superstar perennial All-Pro Pro Bowl caliber player under Fangio's coaching. And I'm not saying that Derek Wolf is going to all of a sudden morph into J.J. Watt, but I think Derek Wolf in particular would be my number one candidate to see take a quantum leap forward under Fangio.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, there's, there's levels to this question. There's players on the Broncos defense I'm excited about seeing under Vic Fangio. Obviously, I want to see the players get better like Von Miller, Chris Harris Jr. There are the players that I'm excited for Fangio to develop, like uh, Isaac Yadam, Brendan Langley, and there's the players that I'm excited to get a shot under Vic Fangio like Demarcus Walker, Damonte Thomas, Sua Cravens. Um, One major asset of Fangio, as Zach alluded to earlier when he was with us, was Fangio's player development, and that was, to me, was Joe Joseph's biggest knock, Vance Joseph's biggest knock. No one blossomed under his tutelage. Who got better under Vance Joseph? And I don't want to waste too much breath on him, but I'm so excited to see what the younger guys, the untested guys, the guys who haven't played pretty well to this point can do under a bona fide, decorated, respected, renowned coach like Fangio. And I'm also really excited to see what Von Sealing can be. I mean, 14 and a half sacks with Vance Joseph as your coach. Now imagine what he can do with thick Fangio.
2: Yeah. And that's why when Fangio brought up Von Miller being able to play even better than he has in his career, if I were Von Miller, and I think this is the way he took it as well, I would have been excited and in a way flattered by that. Because what you're saying is, game recognizes game. I'm I'm naming you up there with Khalil Mack, deservedly so. And I'm, I'm saying that together, our powers combined, I can vault you even farther. So, that would get my blood pumping if I'm sitting in that room and I'm Von Miller and I'm feeling like I've wasted the last three years of my prime on a on a squad that's just gone nowhere. That would get me going. So here's one. Uh, and the last thing, too, I want to say before I digress too much is I agree with you from 10,000 feet that Joseph did not do a good job uh, with certain players developing them. But the flip side to that coin that we can't ignore is how well the 2018 rookie class contributed, I mean, on historic levels for the Denver Broncos, but it was all on the offensive side of the ball. We didn't really – I mean, Chubb, he was a number 5 overall pick. You expect him, Zach, to come in and and contribute right away. We never really saw the Broncos develop – Anybody under Joseph take that or see anyone under Joseph on his side of the ball take a quantum leap forward with maybe the exception of the trench guys like Shelby Harris and Adam Gotzes who would be I think more fairly a product of Bill Kolar, Kolar exactly than Vance Joseph.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to just say that he did nothing while he was here. I mean, that's a good point that uh, certain players did blossom under him, and Shelby Harris was a great example of that. But the Broncos drafted, and they specifically scouted a group of day one starter and captain material players, and they got a bunch of them, and that was a good um, assessment of the scouting department more so than the coaching staff. To me, I'm not going to say they didn't do any work with them. Um, the, the defensive coaches, including Vance Joseph, did a good job with Bradley Chubb. But like you're like it's all offensive side of the ball, and they have yeah. good positional coaches there. So I, I just think to me, no one really took that next leap. And and I don't want to again, you know, grind on this too much. But again, to not even play Demarcus Walker, I mean, your second round draft pick, just to get a chance—that's yeah, I don't understand it.
2: Well, and also to have your position of specialty fall apart. I mean, the secondary. Right. Should, and Joe Woods. Both secondary should have taken coaches. quantum leaps forward under Vance Joseph, and it just didn't. So, anyway, we wash our hands of VJ. We wish him the best of luck in Arizona, and we try not to bring him up unless less we must move him forward. <laughs> um, here's one from Braden Room. With Kubiak no longer the offensive coordinator, does that open the door for potentially drafting Kyler Murray, assuming he declares on Monday? So, my answer to that quick, short, and sweet is yes. What do you think?
1: Um, Like I said, all quarterbacks are going to be on the table for the Broncos this offseason. They're going to look, and they might relegate Keenum to an expensive backup, or they might use him for uh, hold the fourth starter for 2019, but they are going to scout quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, if he declares for the NFL, will be among them. Drew Locke, Will Greer, Daniel Jones, all of them will be on the table. We just have to let it play out to see how deep their interest goes.
2: Yeah, and for Cameron Whitehead, your question about what the ideal coaching scenario would be with Kubiak out under Fangio, uh, I'll throw this out real quick. My ideal in a perfect world, knowing which guys have already landed jobs across the NFL, I would say Fangio under Fangio, offensive coordinator, let's get Scangarello in here, let's get John and John, the two Johns in Denver and San Francisco to cut a deal and open the door for him. And then on the defensive side, you know, I'm okay with Ed Donatel coming over from Chicago. Yep, too. Who that's where the signs are pointing. So to me, that would be the ideal uh, trio.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can get any of the coordinators, candidates that we mentioned, uh, Scangarello, Munkin, any of these guys, that would be a huge win for the coaching staff and the long-term prospects of the Broncos. Defense, I am fine with Donatel because he's a secondary coach. He did a great, great job with Fuller in Chicago. Um, maybe can coach up Bradley Roby if he resigns there, can coach up the Broncos secondary. And we forget that Fangio is going to be the defensive coordinator anyway, so he right. just needs a figurehead. So in that role, I am perfectly fine with Donatel. Special teams, McMahon, and and OL coach Mike Munchak.
2: Yeah. Here's one from Jedi Joshua 58 one of the studs who pulled the trigger this past week <clears throat> on becoming a VIP subscriber. Appreciate you, brother. Salute. His, his question is, it seems that money is the biggest concern for Kyler Murray, even if he uh, goes NFL. I'd rather have a guy that loves football first, lives for the game, etc. What do the football priests think on Murray? We've touched on this already, but maybe elucidate a little bit more for Josh.
1: I mean, Tim Tebow loved football. It it doesn't always correlate. doesn't always translate. I mean, just because he loves football doesn't mean he's going to be a franchise quarterback. So uh, not my QB one in this draft. And this draft, to me, isn't that great for franchise quarterbacks. So I'll defer to more knowledgeable people on Murray, but I would not take him
2: uh, in this first round number 10. I could come around to it, but I would have to, as a GM, I'd have to be convinced that he was absolutely committed to football. And that just like Elway did back in 1983, he put baseball on the back burner once he was officially able to strong arm his way out of Baltimore and land in Denver. He put baseball in his rear view and never looked back. And who knows, maybe because of Elway's experience in that exact same scenario, he might have more of an understanding and connection with what Kyler Murray is going through right now. But from a money perspective, you know, I see him probably, if money is the most important thing, the NFL is going to be Murray's best path because even though the contracts aren't guaranteed like baseball, he's going to make more money quicker as a first round pick in the NFL than he would in baseball. Because even though he gets that, whatever it might be, I think it's four or 5 million guaranteed as a first round pick in baseball. He still has to go through the farm system before he ends up in the majors and then can capitalize on his next contract, which is certainly not guaranteed. It's a lot longer road to hoe to get that next big paycheck for baseball players as opposed to the nfl you come in you know you're a first round pick especially if you're a top 10 guy you're going to get something like 22 million bucks in the first four years it's you can't even compare it so i think he's going to end up going football myself i think he's going to declare but teams have to be certain zach on what where his heart lies now here's one on uh from jacob smith Also a VIP subscriber, a stud, longtime listener of the show. What is Fangio looking for at off ball linebacker? Could Elway change his ways and possibly target inside linebackers early in the draft for a change, i.e. Roquan Smith. What I know, Zach, before I serve this over to you, about Fangio's preferred, you know, prototype at off ball linebacker, is he values speed above all else, which is does not bode well for any of the linebackers Hmm. the Broncos currently have on the roster. So if you look at the duo, that phenomenal all pro duo he had in in, uh, San Francisco in Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, they were both speedy sideline to sideline guys, high intensity, high motor, but they could also stack and shed in the box and, and, you know, contend with those 300 pound uh, offensive linemen. So I think he'll find a way Fangio to make do with what he's got now in Denver, but I think you're going to see linebacker be a huge priority in the coming draft. He also had
1: Chris Borland in San Francisco, and he compares very favorably to Josie Jewell. So I think they're good there. But yeah, they're going to definitely draft or sign an inside linebacker this offseason. They're going to cut Brandon Marshall. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, they have Todd Davis, who's kind of a two-down linebacker, not really a three-down linebacker. They, it's a big need for them. And under Fangio, I mean, he had great ones in, in with the Niners, with the Bears, with Trevathan, and Smith. Uh, they're going to get one. So um, Marshall will be cut. They have Jewel, who's going to be, I think, maybe not a starter, but a fringe starter, a pin starter for them, but definitely a key backup. And Todd Davis is still under
2: contract. But they're going get, to get one and prioritize one this offseason. All right, last question, then we're going to get out of here. It's actually a non-football question. Earlier today, well, actually, the original tweet was from like a week and a half ago. I tweeted out the cover of one of the football books I'm reading right now, which is actually pretty cool. For those of you who are OGs, you know who Doc Bear is, who writes for Mile High Huddle when he can, um, but is the you know the progenitor of It's All Over Fat Man, that once great Broncos website that uh, unfortunately went under a couple years back. And I brought him over to Mile High Huddle. We forged a great friendship since then. And about this time last year, Zach, he sent me a massive box full of football books. Not boring ass, you know, X's and O's, which, you know, on the surface boring, but actually intriguing. These are great books that encompass a wide variety of different topics when it comes to football. And the one I'm reading now is called War Room which basically goes through the details of Bill Belichick and the Patriot way and how that all came to be uh, from the mid to, to late 90s from his time in Cleveland and, and just how that philosophy and dominant program ended up taking the NFL by storm. And it's a phenomenal read. And I tweeted out the cover of that book saying, you know, football never stops or whatever it was. And uh, this Mile High Maniac came back and he said, nice reading referral. What non-football podcast do you listen to? You've talked before about being a a big pod listener. Zach, I'll answer this for Mile High Maniac, but for yourself, do you listen to any podcasts that are non-football related? And if so, share with our listeners. I, I really don't. I, I don't check out too many other podcasts. I, I mean, I
1: know about them and I've listened to them in the past. I'm just not a frequent or common podcast listener. Um, I, I, I there's many good ones out there, many good NFL ones, Broncos ones. I'm just not an active, you know, purveyor of, bronc- of uh, podcast coverage.
2: So when you're going to the gym, you're pumping tunes. You're not listening oh, to
1: pods. Purely rap. That's all it is. Rap and uh, house and
2: EDM. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, I I can answer this one a little bit more in depth. You know, I listen to a lot of football podcasts. When I'm doing other things, the the gym, cooking, driving, the yard, whatever it might be, I'm more often than not listening to a podcast or a book on Audible. But when it comes to non-football oriented podcasts, I'll throw a few out there that are interesting. The Joe Rogan podcast is phenomenal. It's a lot more long form. They're sometimes three and a half hours long. Don't. Now, I don't tell you that to scare you away, but the the wide-ranging variety of topics that he covers is, is phenomenal. Um, I listen to the Ben Shapiro podcast, and then oddly, I also listen to Pod Save America podcast, which are two different kind of s- s- ends of the political spectrum. So... Um, there's some really good ones out there. Dave Rubin does a lot. Uh, YouTube, I spend a lot of time listening to talks and lectures on YouTube by guys like uh, Jordan Peterson. So if you any of you listening who've heard of that, um, the Intellectual Dark Web, I spend a lot of time listening to those guys talk. So check that out for those of you who are looking at kind of broadening your horizons a little bit when it comes to podcasting. But for now, we're just stoked to have you listening to the Huddle Up podcast and, and uh, as we enter the 29th. Teen off season, we got so much stuff that's going to be coming. Zach and I plan on being uh, getting back to you here later this week when we expect Zach probably to have a lot more news or at least a better understanding of how this coaching staff is going to shake out.
1: We should have an OL coach with possibly Mike Munchak. We yep. should have an offensive coordinator. Uh, with We should have a defensive coordinator. The staff is going to come together now of the next couple of weeks and going into the Senior Bowl and the Combine next month and free agency in March, right around the corner. This happens fast, guys. There's no offseason in the NFL. It never sleeps. We will be here to provide
2: wall-to-wall coverage every single week. That's right. So make sure you guys are subscribing. Take some time. Go leave a creative review. Follow the show on Twitter at Pod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247. Myself at Chad N. Jensen. Follow again our friend who joined us today on the show, Zach Pearson at Zach underscore Pearson. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: and what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to
2: choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks.
1: That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.